Everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. Isn't he great? Greatly to be praised. Praise God. What a wonderful time we're having today. The presence of God is here. And I, I told Brother Pruitt a while ago, I said, there's a great presence of God in this place. Great spirit here. And uh, where the Spirit of the Lord in is, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Whatever you have need of today, my God is able to do it today. Today. You don't have to wait till the night to get it done. You can have it done today. You don't have to wait till Wednesday or Tuesday or whenever your midweek service is. You can get it today. You don't have to wait till the next evangelist comes. You can get what you need from God today. He is a very present God. He is a right now God. He is here in this place. I feel Him. He's here. Hallelujah. If you need something from the Lord, just turn it over to Jesus. Because He's able to do whatever needs to be done. He is the mighty God. There is no God beside Him. He is the mighty God. Our God is God. I said our God is God. And His name is Jesus. And we worship Him. And we magnify Him. We lift Him up. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The mighty God. The everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. Our Redeemer. Our Savior. Our Master. Our everything. He is our all in all. Praise God. And He's here. I said He's here. He's with us today in this place and I believe that he's going to do something already God's going to uh, there are going to be people baptized in Jesus name I told brother Pruitt on Friday night and I, I said you know what there's no need for every one of them not to come out of the water speaking in tongues he had already said come out of the water speaking in tongues not just one or two of them but all of them can do that in the name of Jesus hallelujah I want your faith factor to be high in this house and uh, I believe that if that's the way it is gathered together in one mind and one accord he is in the midst and uh, he is here right now to do the work that needs to be done how many of you want God to do something today he's already done something but I tell you he wants to do more I want to read very quickly let me introduce my wife first this is my wife if you'll stand sister Linda Miller this is my wife and uh, she's, we've, we've been together almost, well, 34, over 34 years. And uh, we met in January, the 1st of January. She asked me to marry her the last part of January. And uh, I said yes. And then uh, I asked her to marry. Well, I'm just kidding about that. I think I asked her to marry me by the end of January. And then we got officially engaged on uh, December, on uh, February 14th, on Valentine's Day, we went to a high-class restaurant uh, to get engaged, and that was at Shoney's. Uh, was the, the and uh, uh, when I asked her to marry me and gave her the ring, she almost choked to death in Shoney's. That's the truth. Really, I thought I was going to have to do the Heimlich maneuver on her because she was <coughs> coughing so much. And uh, I think it was the food, not that I asked her to marry me, it was the food 
that uh, she was choking on. But anyway, anyway, we've been together a long time, and I thank the Lord for her and her contribution to my, uh, to our marriage and to our ministry. She's a great lady of God, and I give honor to her today. I give honor to your pastor and his wife, brother and sister Pruitt, and I'm thankful to have met them today. Brother Shoulders told me how great a people you all are, and I feel that in my spirit today. This great church, I give honor to you for your worship and praise to the mighty God. He is here today. Will you stand with me one more time? John, the second chapter, I want to read John chapter 2 and beginning at verse number 1. Bible says, and the third day, the third day, John 2 verse number 1, and the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. Whatever he said to do, do it. Seems like they're doing that. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. When men have well drunk, then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory. And his disciples believed on him. And when they, verse 3, and when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, Jesus, they have no wine. And it began to unfold from there. And there was a great miracle that happened on that day. I want to preach to you today for just a short time the want factor. I want to talk to you about the want factor today. Will you praise the Lord with me one more time as you're being seated? Hallelujah. God bless you today. I, I worship you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. You're in this place. I ask you to speak. I ask you to help me today. Use me for your glory, Lord. I submit and yield to you right now. God, let your word do what it is sent forth to do as you promised. We give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. There are some things in life that without question are just worth going after. They're worth going after. There are things that are worth us giving everything that we have, our very best. Because we have a recognition about those things that if I go after this and if I give it my very best in this, I recognize and understand that the end result 
is going to be better than the former. The end result will be something that we are pleased with, something that we are blessed with. How many of you have started a project and never finished it? How many of you have started more than one project and never finished it? Amen. We all have. But how many of you have started a project and finished it? And then whenever you finished it, you stood back and you looked at it and it was a completed project and you were pretty proud of what you had just done. You were pretty proud of the finished product. You were proud of what was the end result of that that you started. And you didn't just start it and stop it, but you started it and you finished it. And now you're looking at the end result of it and you're pleased with it and it's a blessing to you. It's my opinion that it's worth worth it to go after an education. It's worth it to do that. As long as you put God first in your life, it's worth it. Get your high school education, go on to further education. It's worth doing that. The end result of that can be a tremendous blessing to you, can be a tremendous blessing to others that are around you. I believe that it's worth it to go after a, a better job to go after a promotion, to go after more pay. If it doesn't sidetrack you in your walk with God and sidetrack you from the purpose of God and the plan of God in your life, it's worth going after it. I believe without going into a lot of different areas today, I believe that it is worth it to strive to be better in every area of our lives. I believe that there is a personal gratification that comes from knowing that you have been successful in moving from one level to the next. You have been successful in moving from one level to the next. Success, hear me today, success God's way results in fulfillment and contentment God's way. It's a neat thing to realize that the opportunity was made for me in life to excel and to do good and that I did not fall short. I did not drop the ball. I did not stop short of what the goal was. It's a true statement today concerning the end result of going after the things that are worth going after that the end result will be better than what preceded than what was before. In spiritual matters, and you quoted it a while ago, the scripture tells us in Haggai chapter 2 and verse number 8 that the glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of, of hosts. The latter is going to be greater. Joel spoke of it in chapter 2 and verse number 23, Joel, or Joel 2 and 2, and then verse 23 and 24, Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month, and the floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with wines and oil. 
The, the former was great. What happened in the former, what happened before was great. But the end result, the latter is going to be greater than the former. I don't know about you, but it excites me that I'm living in the last days of the church age. Because I know without a shadow of doubt that the latter house is going to be greater than the former house. I know it's been said many times, but I'm going to say it again. The apostolic church has, has had some great revivals, but it has not seen the greatest revival yet. You've had some great moves of God, but if you'll stay focused, you'll have some greater moves of God. If you really desire God to work, if you really desire God to have His way, you have not yet seen what God is able to do in your midst. The latter will be greater than the former. That's what the Bible says. But do you want to be involved in that? want to see it happen? Do you want God to do something in your life that has never happened before? It, it just never has happened. I've had some great experiences with God, Pastor, but I want to have some greater experiences with the Lord. God's touched my life in some great ways. Some of those ways uh, I, I would think could almost be indescribable because uh, of the impact that it had on my life in the moment when God was working and moving. But you know what I believe? I believe that God has something even greater. And I believe that if I will work for that, and here's the deal today, that I want to punch very hard into your spirit. Not punch it into your spirit, but I want to put it into your spirit if the Lord will give me help today. Here's the deal. We've got to understand that there will never be any better Nothing, better nothing, nothing will ever be better. There will never be better anything unless the want factor kicks in somewhere along the road. The want factor. The want factor is absolutely the most important ingredient in receiving anything worthwhile in life. In order to receive anything good in life, you must first want it. You must first be willing to go after it. job. We've got to be willing to go after it. Whatever that it is in life, we've got to be willing to want it and then to go after it. But then further I go today, I am 100% convinced that spiritual things, spiritual things are worth going after. I mean, they're worth doing everything in my power to possibly get a hold of what God has for me. I've got to have this. I've got to have something from God. I've got to get into the presence of the Lord. I've got to have the outpouring of the Spirit of God in my life. I must have it. I must have it. I want it, and I've got to get it. And if I want it bad enough, I'll do anything in my power to get it. But I'm not going to get anything unless, first of all, I want it. I've heard the statement made so many times. I've been in this all my life. But I've, I've heard the statement made so many times through the years. Personally, it made the same statement that too many of us live way beneath our privileges. 
There's so many gifts and so many promises that are contained in Scripture that are ours for the asking. But we have not because we ask not. And I ask you the question as I make this statement. Think about it. And we ask not because we want not. We ask not because we don't want it. We're happy. We're content with where we are. We're satisfied with where we are. If you look in that Sunday school lesson uh, that uh, Brother Ronnie, Brother Ronnie preached or taught a while ago, if you look at the beginning of that lesson in the little box there, it's talking about the, the history of declining churches and things that they have in common. And one of the things that every church that was declining in growth had in common was that they get to a place where they've got enough money coming in to maintain the church. They've got enough money coming in to pay the pastor. And it goes on down the list. They got enough to be happy and they got a core group of people that are faithful and so all of a sudden they get content where they are with a spirit of maintenance rather than a spirit of conquering and going after whatever God has I'm here to tell you this morning that we do not need to live beneath our privileges but it is going to take a want factor in us at some place along the line there's going to have to be a desire in our hearts to go after whatever it is that God has for us. Lord, I know, I know without a doubt that the supernatural power of, of God is in this house. It's extraordinary power. It's beyond what we can even understand and explain right now. It is in this house right now. It's not getting ready to come in. It's here right now. It's not going to come when pastor does the baptizing in a little while. It's here right now. Right now. But hear revelation. Hear revelation. God is revealing to us right now that he desires for each one, everybody, everybody from the oldest to the youngest. He desires for each one in this house to benefit from his presence. God wants every one of us to benefit from his presence in this service. Hear me. God desires now to visit with us. God desires now to speak with us. God desires today to fill people with the Holy Ghost. God desires right now to heal somebody. God desires to do miracles right now. God desires to bless somebody right now. God desires to encourage somebody right now. God desires to deliver and set somebody free right now. God desires to give you whatever you have need of in this place right now. I said right now. What is it that you need? If I were to ask you to publicly say, I want you to think in your mind right now what you need from God. If you could have anything from God today, if you could have anything from God, what is it that you would want God to do for you in this service today? What would you want Him to do? Because the want factor has got to kick in. If the want factor is absent, you will never receive what God has available and what God wants to give to you. So the question today is, do you really want what God has to give to you? Do you really want it? Do you 
you really want ha what God has for you. And that's where spiritual sensitivity comes in. Are you listening right now? is saying are you listening to the voice of God as he speaks in this service today right now do you hear what he wants you to do or do you hear what he has for you do you hear what he is saying it's important that we listen to the voice of God God speaks in different ways he speaks as we pray he speaks in dreams or visions he speaks through the word of God as you read. He speaks through your man of God as he preaches or teaches. It's important that we hear what God is telling us. It's no accident that 17 times in the scripture we are told in reference to the voice of God. He that heareth, let him hear. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. You get the message. He that hath an ear to hear what the Spirit saith unto the church, let him hear. The Hebrew word is shama. The Greek word for hear is akuo. The words for hear, listen, refer to more than just hearing sounds. Oh, I hear it. But they refer to a person receiving and responding to what they have heard. It's vitally important that we understand this next statement. Listen very closely. Only to the degree that we receive and respond to the Word of God will we be able to experience what God has for us at any given time. And the only way that we will receive and respond is if something in our spirit kicks in and we say, Oh God, I want this. Oh God, I want to receive this. Oh God, I know you have it for me. And here's the great news today. If you want what God has for you, you can have it. I said if you want what God has for you, you can have it. The Bible says you can. I said the Bible says you can. I don't have time to go through all the scripture today. But 5 and 6 of the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 6. It says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. For there's a good chance and a great possibility that they're going to be filled. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, it may be that God will work for you. Maybe he'll help you out. Maybe he'll do something for you. No, it says, for they shall be. I said it says they shall be filled if you hunger and thirst for God. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you might, it's not that you might be, it is that you shall be. Hallelujah. God's got something special for everybody in this room. Psalm chapter 42, verse number 1 and 2. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, the psalmist said, So panteth my soul after thee, O God. As the deer runs through the woods and is tired and weary and is panting for the water brook. 
thirsty, sweat pouring off of his 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 uh, his uh, flanks, and and he's sweating, and and the froth is there, and he's panting after the water brooks. Uh, he knows he needs uh, water. And then the, the psalmist goes on to say it like this. My soul thirsted for thee, O God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God as the heart panteth after the water brook? My soul, my soul pants after you, O God. I'm hungry for you. When can I come into your presence? When can I come before you? you oh God I want you I want you how many of you can see want in that passage of scripture panting for God how long has it been since you stood in the presence of God and something overwhelmed you so strongly that you were wanting God so much I I've got to have a touch of God. I've got to have a move of God. I can't stay where I am. I can't remain where I am. I've got to have you, oh Lord. I want your help. I, I want you to touch me. I want you to strengthen me. I want you to work in me. I want you, Lord. I want you, Lord. I'm thirsty for you. When can I get there? When can I get in your presence? The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's, a, it's amazing. He, he, he's good. The touch of God is beyond any touch. It's beyond any high. It, it's beyond any intoxication. It's beyond anything that, that, that we may have experienced in our life. It's beyond that. It, it's, it's like Peter said. He said, it's joy. And then he went on and he said, unspeakable. And full of glory. glory. I mean, Peter was the one that, Peter was there on the day of Pentecost, but when it got right down to describing what he had had from the Lord, he couldn't. It's, it's unspeakable. Hallelujah. There are those in this house this morning that you could explain your experience with God and you would, you would get to a place where you were just terrified. I don't know how else to describe it run out of words. It's unspeakable what God has done. Hallelujah. I'll be 56 years old next month. I've been in this all of my life. My dad was a pastor. My grandparents were on my dad's side were pastors. I remember the first time I experienced the presence of the Lord, I was four years old. Four years old. It was in West Frankfort, Illinois. My dad was pastoring a church in West Frankfort, Illinois, and, and I remember as I stood in the pew, pew I was four years old, and, and my mother was on the piano, and I remember as, as, as the people had gathered around the front and she was playing and the people were receiving a touch from God, I remember something went all over me. Brother Pruitt, I never felt anything like that before. It just soaked me. It just inundated me, my spirit, my a little boy body. and Covered up with it. It scared me. And uh, I got out of my pew and went up to Mama right quick and got right up next to her on the piano, kind of cuddled up next to her. And uh, I remember then, as I moved from behind those that were seeking God, I, I now was in front of those that were seeking God. I looked across the front of that 
auditorium and people had their hands raised and, and tears were running down their faces and, and, and people were speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of the Lord gave the utterance. And, and I remember I was overwhelmed with that feeling. I began to cry just as a little boy and, and I was four years old. Never had experienced anything like that. I have many, many times since. But it touched me so deeply that I've never forgotten it. I've never forgotten it. I was, I was raised in this. I mean, the first loud voice I ever heard was my daddy's voice preaching. I, you, you've heard stories, if you've been around the church very long, of, of, of kids bringing little pillows to church and laying up underneath the pew and going to, going to sleep. I was one of those. I, I picked the gum off the bottom of the pews. Back in the, back in the day, I don't remember chewing it. I do remember smelling of it. I remember back in those days, we didn't have as many flavors of gum as we do now, but it was Wrigley Spearmint, Juicy Fruit, Double Mint. How many of you have ever chewed any of that? I can still smell Juicy Fruit right now that I pulled down off the bottom of the pew, pulled it down, stretched it down. Oh, that's, uh, that's uh, Juicy Fruit. Ah, oh, pull it down. Oh, that's Double Mint or... Mm, spearmint. I don't think I ever tried it, but I did play with it when I was a little fella in church, in church. Felt the presence of God. My grandma and grandpa Miller were old-time Methodists, and I, I, I'm, I'm saying this just to tell you how God can work in your life. I'm not talk down in the denomination. I'm just telling you my journey. My, my grandma and grandpa Miller were old-time Methodists. He was a pastor in the Methodist church, and and God began to deal with him, and they were in, they were those kind of praying Methodists and shouting and worshiping, and, and and my 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 grandma and grandpa, the Lord began to deal with them that there were some directions that the Methodist Church was going in that they could not follow personally, and they came out of that church and came into the assemblies of God. In the assemblies of God, they had a hunger for the Lord, for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And, and God filled them with the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the assemblies of God with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. I still believe he feels that same way today. I said, I still believe he fills you with the Holy Ghost with the sign of evidence of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of the Lord gave the utterance. But, but that, that, I'm telling you, it happened to them. And, and, and they had a large family. I say large. They had seven children. And in the middle of the Great Depression, my, my grandma and grandpa Miller were filled with the Holy Ghost now. And most of their children probably were filled with the Holy Ghost. And God began to deal with them to move from Murfreesboro, Illinois, in southern Illinois to Salem, Illinois. And uh, my grandfather Miller worked in the coal mines in southern Illinois. But for some reason, God was dealing with him to go to, to Salem, Illinois. And, and in a, a house prayer meeting where they were praying in their home, and their family was praying together. There was tongues and interpretation. And in that tongues and interpretation, the Lord spoke in interpretation. When you see fire, you'll go. You'll go. For some reason, he had hesitated and didn't go to Salem. But in the middle of the Great Depression, the Spirit of the Lord spoke and said, When you see fire, you'll go. And within just a few days, their house set on fire and burned to the ground. They lost everything that they had in the middle of the Great Depression. I don't know about all of that. I don't know 
wise, the wise of all of it in that they lost everything. But I do know the why in the big picture because they moved to Salem, Illinois and had not been in Salem, Illinois very long until my grandfather Miller was in town and saw uh, someone setting a tent up. Uh, it was a man trying to set a tent up by himself, and, and a large tent, to have a tent revival. And my grandfather Miller gets out and, and goes to help him set the tent up. And, and then another man, men, some other men come up, and one of the other men ended up being my mother's dad, my grandfather Mulvaney. And so they helped this man set this tent up for this uh, tent revival, and they did not know that he had was a one God apostolic evangelist traveling, itinerant, itinerant preacher traveling the United States preaching this message. And, and, and so my grandfather Miller and my grandfather Mulvaney were there together helping him set that tent up. To make a long story short, they were all baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of their sins. And the family that did not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost in that revival. Why? do you say? Because there was a desire. There was a want to in my grandma and grandpa Miller and in my grandma and grandpa Mulvaney's heart to, to get more of God. What does God have for me? What can God do for me? Well, God will do anything that you'll allow him to do. If you'll keep your heart open, if you'll keep the want factor open and, and relevant and moving and working in your life, it's unlimited what God can do for you. There, of course, but my mom and dad had told me the stories. They broke the ice on the old reservoir there in Salem, Illinois. They broke the ice on the reservoir to baptize my mama and about 20 others in Jesus' name. And they made a hole big enough in the ice to get them down in that water and baptize them in Jesus' name. What in the world would cause somebody to go down into a frozen lake and get baptized in Jesus' name? I'm telling you what will make that happen. It's something in you. I want this. I don't care if there's ice on the lake. I'll break the ice and get in the water in order to be baptized in Jesus' name and get something from God. I'm going to go after this. Whatever God's doing in me, I'm going after it. I'm going after it. I'm going after it. I remember growing up in the church after I was four years old. My dad moved on to pastor in Heron, Illinois. I remember as we walked into one service and, and it was a revival service. My little eight-year-old brother, I, I was two years older than he. I was ten. He was eight. And he, he sat down next to me there in the seat next to Mama and, and where Mama would have said she was playing the piano. But we sat down there and, and he said to me, he said, I'm going to get the Holy Ghost. No, Mama was sitting there. He, was, he said, I'm going to get the Holy Ghost tonight. He's eight years old. But he looked at us and he said, when that preacher, that evangelist, gives the altar call, I'm going to go down to that altar and I'm going to get the Holy Ghost. And I thought, wow, he's eight years old. And so he, he, whenever the evangelist 
gets the altar call and has everybody stand up. My little brother Evan, he just quickly, as the, I mean, he didn't wait for five or ten minutes whenever he's had everybody stand up. He just moved, scooted right past me and went straight down to the altar. And he knelt down in the altar. And I went around. I walked down there. Everybody was going down there to pray with people who were seeking the Holy Ghost. And I went over there and I got in front of my little brother. And he had his hands up. doing what he had been taught to do. He was doing that whenever you get an experience with God, you repent of your sins. You repent of your sins. You ask God to forgive you of your sins. It's turning around and going another direction. It's not going the same direction. It's turning around. Repentance is turning around and going another direction. I'm telling you, it wasn't five minutes. My little brother was speaking fluently in another language as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. It, it, it wasn't just ba 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 ba. It was a fluent language as an eight-year-old, a fluent other tongue as the Spirit. I said, as the Spirit gave the utterance. It wasn't as a man taught him how to speak in tongues or a woman taught him how to speak in tongues. He spoke. I've seen thousands pastor through the years speaking tongues as the spirit of the Lord gave them the utterance hallelujah hallelujah I went to a convention one time because I had heard about so many people receiving the Holy Ghost in that convention I went to that convention because I wanted to see it for myself and I watched the man and woman preach and then they had everybody come down that wanted to receive the Holy Ghost and then they said to them I want you to say ba 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 and they said ba 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 now I want you to say ta 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 and they said ta 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 and they said say la 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 and they got them saying ba 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 ta 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 la la la, and they said mix all of those syllables together, all those words together. So they got ba ba sha sha la la ta ta sha sha ta ta, and you'll receive the Holy Ghost. I'm gonna tell you something. Whenever I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, nobody told me to say ba ba ta ta. Nobody told me to say sha sha la la. Whenever I was filled with the Holy Ghost, I was filled with the Holy Ghost as the Spirit of the Lord gave the utterance. Hallelujah! I'm going to tell you what I'm preaching about today. It's real. It's real. I know it's real. I've had a dose of it. It's real. It's real. It's real. It's real. It's real. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was 10 years old, 11 years old, and Dad was preaching one night, and I felt I needed to go to the altar and repent of my sins. I was 11 before I went to the altar after I was 4. I was shy. I didn't make my way to the altar. But that night I felt convicted of my sins. And I went to the altar that night and bowed the knee and repented of my sins. And, and then the next step was to be baptized in Jesus' name. And it was in January. you got to understand this was back in the late 60s, early 70s. And, and, and when I went into that baptistry, it was an old family. We didn't have jacuzzi baptistries back then. We didn't have jacuzzi baptistries. It wasn't like there was a big old metal tank. When you got down in it, it boom, 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 boom. 
when you walked as the bottom popped on it. And, and, and I'm going to tell you what, it was January. It was cold. We didn't have heaters in the baptistry. They didn't have to break ice like they did for my mama. But the water was still cold. And I remember when I got, I was a little old fella, I remember when I got down to about the second step, I had a good case of, uh, of stammering lips by about the second step down into the water. And back then they used to get around the baptistry and pray for people who were in the baptistry. And, and they were going, that's it, just let that happen. Just let that go. That's the Holy Ghost. It's all over you already. And I, I'm telling you, when I got down in the water, I was about chest deep in the water. And I was full fledged. <laughs> and Daddy baptized me in the name of Jesus, and I came up out of the water. <laughs> oh, say hallelujah! <laughs> say praise the Lord! And, and nowadays we would have them filled with the Holy Ghost if they did that. They, we, everybody would be saying, "He got it!" Hallelujah! <laughs> That's the Holy Ghost. He got it. He's speaking in tongues, and I wasn't speaking in tongues. I was saying hallelujah, and I was freezing to death. I was freezing to death. And I got out of the baptistry, walked up out of the baptistry. And, and you know what? I didn't get the Holy Ghost that night. But when I was 12 years old, I'm the preacher's kid. My little brother's already got the Holy Ghost. Most of the other young people already had the Holy Ghost. And I'm the only preacher's kid that don't have the Holy Ghost. And I was 12 years old. And I needed to get the Holy Ghost. And one night in a revival on a Sunday night, the Lord moved upon me strongly. And that same presence of God that I felt when I was four years old moved over me. And I went to the altar that night and I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You know what? Everything that I've talked to you about up to this point and unto the rest of what I'm going to say and I'm coming to a close. Everything has happened because somebody wanted it to happen. It did not just happen. It did not just take place by coincidence. Uh, hallelujah. I did not lay hands on somebody without wanting to. I have not given a message in tongues or been used in the gifts of the Spirit without wanting to. I did not receive the Holy Ghost because I did not want to. I did not be baptized in Jesus' name because I did not want to. Anything that I've ever had in my life up to this point uh, in normal life uh, or in in spiritual life. I have received it because at some point the want factor kicked in. I want this. I want it. I want it. I think blind Bartimaeus wanted it. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Shut up, you're, you're disturbing everybody around. That's what the Bible says. People told him to hush, be quiet. He was blind. He knew Jesus was coming that way. He knew Jesus was coming. Yeah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you today, Jesus is already here. Jesus is in this house right now. The presence of God is in this place right now. But he heard that, that Jesus was coming down the road and, and he was crying it. And the Bible says when they, when they told him to hush, it was just like they stuck him and agged him on. It was just like hanging him on because he sa the scripture says that he cried even the, the more louder, Jesus, thou son of David, have But he knew Jesus was coming. 
He knew Jesus was coming. Hallelujah. Why did people run to an altar of prayer, Pastor Pruitt? Why did they come running to an altar? Why did they fall on their face before God and cry bitter tears of repentance? Why do they scream out to God, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. I'm going to tell you why. Because they know in their spirit that there's something not right. They know that they've been bound for too long. They know that they've had this problem for too long. They can't fix it on their own. But pastor introduced him to us a while ago. There's somebody who can. I said there's somebody who can. And his name is Jesus. Jesus, our son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, our son of David, have mercy on me. How long has it been since we cried out like that? How long has it been since we cried out like that for a move of God in our lives, for Jesus to help us, for Jesus to touch us, for Jesus to work in our lives, for Jesus to fill us, for Jesus to take away our addictions, to take away our problems, to take away our direction, our depression, to take away our fear. Jesus, our son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And, and there he came. And, and what do you want? What do you want? I want to see. I want to see. And the Bible says that if your faith is, you're going to see. You're going to see. And his eyes were opened. I don't have time to go through all of these, these examples today, but anytime anybody wanted something for God, from God, they wanted it. And he was on the scene. And he took care of it. He helped them. He helped them. He's here today. Some of you have needs. Hearts broken inside of you. Zacchaeus was a crooked tax man. Tax collector. But he heard Jesus was coming. And he climbed up in the tree. We used to sing an old song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree, could see, and Jesus said, what? Did I? Zacchaeus, that's how we said it. Zacchaeus, come down. What? What? I'm going to your house today, I'm going to your house today. Zacchaeus, come down. A tax collector. He's a little guy. Must have been shorter than the rest of them. He had to get up in the tree to see. The tree was right there for Zacchaeus to get up in so he could see the Lord. Something made him climb that tree. It had to have been want. 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 What in the world would cause a man? He couldn't see what Jesus was doing, but there were people all around him that could see what he was doing. He spit in the Dust. Spit. What if I were to go spit in the dust and come in here and take what I had just mixed up from my spit and try to put it in your face? <laughs> what Jesus did. And then after he had put it in his eyes, he said, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And the man got up and went and washed and the Bible said he came back seeing. Why would he allow Jesus to put spit mud in his face? Because there was something in him 
that wanted to see. I want to see. I want to see. There's another incident again of blind men that followed Jesus all the way to the house. And whenever they got to his house, they followed him inside. They wanted to see. And Jesus said, what is it that you want from me? And they said, we want to see. I like what the message version says. It says, become what you believe. Become what you believe. Let's stand together, shall we?